And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to Zoli's Report. This is Clark here. Hello, everybody. Okay, James, we actually have a game to talk about. Not a scrimmage, not a practice, not training camp. We got a game. Jonas, what's a game? Well, how does that work? How does that work? It's this thing where you go to this arena and there's no fans there. Yeah. Don't don't we just talk. uh, Actually, I have a story about that. I was supposed to be at the game last night and it's like 4.30 and... I'm on the phone or whatever, and I start getting this like little cough, like not like nothing. Like in a normal world, you would be like, "All right, off to work." And I started getting dressed, and I started, you know, putting my suit on and whatever, and I like cough again. I'm like, "Man, you know what? I probably should not go because I'm sure I have nothing." But anyway, so I got to spend my whatever it is, 400th day <laughs> in my basement watching the game instead of getting to go somewhere. So. You can speak to the atmosphere of what it was like in the arena better than I can. Well, I can tell you it's not the most pleasant atmosphere. It's just it's just weird. Um, like no fans. I went to is... two games during the playoffs and I hated it. It just yes. it it just made me feel like I was Empty. in like dystopian future. Yeah, that's what it still hockey. feels like. Yeah, it just it doesn't feel like an NHL game. And the the great thing though, Jonas, is that on TV. It still presents really well. It's still like a really good product. It's still, it's not a hundred percent like home opener and like the. I, I don't like the fake crowd stuff, but I guess if it wasn't there, it would be even more jarring. But anyway, and then the game, like the game, I'm, we're going to talk about the game. The game itself was very uh, exhibitiony. Yes, which was to be expected. Um, so we'll talk about um, kind of the stars delivering we'll talk about the power play we'll talk about riley brody we'll talk about some of the struggles including on defense uh including we can talk a little bit about the goaltending 
Um, but you're right. Like it, it didn't, it felt like the first game of preseason and obviously there was no preseason. So that's to be expected. Um, let's start with Matthews, Marner, Neander, Tavares, because that's kind of the story. The Leafs come back. They're down three, one, uh, Neander, obviously two goals, Tavares, three points. Um, Marner was all over the place. So was Matthews. He had 14 shot attempts, played 25 minutes. Uh, where do you, which of those guys do you want to start with? Who is most interesting to you? Mm, I wrote a column about Nylander. I don't know if you had a chance to read I it did. or not. But, Very, well. uh, Very good. Uh, see, he stood out the most to me because just, it felt like when they all, I think all four of them played well, um, you know, I think that Matthews could have easily had a goal or two. Tavares, I, you know, it was very encouraging to see. He, he did get turnstiled there on the one goal, and but um, I just thought that he seemed really kind of like he was working his ass off and he was playing hard and he looked. I thought Tavares looked pretty good. I did um, too. But Nealander, I mean, like you know, everyone's talking about the Wayne Simmons fight and turning the game around and whatever. But it's like if you look at how the way the Leafs played in the first what like four one. And it was only, you know, Nylander with, like, the seeing eye shot and then the the beautiful play he made on the power play. Like, I don't know how he picked that that corner. It's not easy to do on, on Carey Price like that. You know, you know, you're on the power play. Everyone's in the way, and he somehow finds that hole. And and then, you know, I thought even, you know, the assist on the VC goal is a lucky break. Yeah, but just, like, the poise. Like, he, you know, he – most players would have been, like, not expecting it to, to – ricochet off the ref like that and come right to them and he makes a beautiful play and the I mean VC all he had to do was you know I could have scored that goal so I thought Nylander was fantastic you know I thought it was a continuation of what he did last season and so what I did in my piece is I just started looking at some of the numbers that he's put up and you know Nylander I'm gonna I'm gonna use a caveat here but offensively Nylander is as good as he, he, he belongs on the core four. And I think that there, you can make the argument that he's as good as Tavares and Marner. Um, it, certainly, at least since the beginning of last year. Statistically, um, if you take out that one brutal year with where the contract uh, missing a huge part of the season obviously affected him greatly. If you take that year out, he's actually second in, in points per, per 60 uh, to, to Matthews. So, you know, Nylander's... And it was interesting, you know, after the game that, you know, Keith was asked about Nylander's explosiveness and, and Keith made the point to say, you know, we've had some really blunt conversations with, with William about where he needs to go in, in the defensive zone. And you, you can see that, you know, in, in the analytics and that he still has room to grow. But I just think offensively, he's one of the best, I don't know, 40 players in the league, 30 players. In the, like he, he's a very, very, very good offensive player. Well, he's one of the, it's kind of, um, maybe been a little underrated and maybe because it didn't really come out until last year, but he's one of the best shooters in the league. Like he, he's not Matthews, but he's like in that next tier in terms of like how he shoots the puck. Like he beats price clean on both those shots. Now the first one is, a, is probably a little lucky. It didn't look like it price looked de- like it deflected. Uh, it looked yeah. like it deflected off a, off of one of the Canadians. I'm, you know, watching the, the slow-mo replay. Well, but so if, if, if he has another kind of like 5% to give, and Matthews goes up five percent, and Marner goes up five percent. That's like and, and that's Tavares a, doesn't go down five percent. Yeah, like that's that's big. Like that can be what fuels this team, kind of getting back to where we think they should be, or or reaching kind of a new level. I was surprised the, he didn't play a little more. Actually, like I, 
I mean, I'm looking at the the five one five ice time. Nylander was at thirteen thirty one, Tavares at fourteen thirty four, Marner and Matthews. Matthews was almost eighteen minutes, and Marner was almost seventeen. I would have liked to see like a couple more shifts for those guys. Probably um, he doesn't trust Jimmy VC when the score is like that tight late in the game. Yeah, you know, and yeah. that that could potentially be part of it. Well, and and they were kind of like not protecting that line, but that line was. We, I mean, we talked about it before. That line is is being used maybe differently than it was a couple years ago, obviously, with different pieces around John Tavares. Um, but the Tavares thing is, is big, too. Like, obviously, there's that, that Josh Anderson goal. That goal has to be stopped. Like, that's – we can talk about Anderson a little bit later. That goal needs to be stopped. But otherwise, like, Tavares did, to me, look – like, he looks like he's skating a little bit better than he did last year. Uh, and you look at like his overall game, James. He plays nineteen thirty, a goal, two assists. He wins twelve of eighteen draws, and he has five shots. And I thought one of the interesting things about his game was on the power play. Obviously, with that new look, one A or one B unit, whatever you want to call it, he's just more involved. Like he's just more of a central figure to it. Uh, and if they get John Tavares closer to like forty-seven goals, eighty-eight points, or eighty-seven points. And less like last year when he's he's fine. That's again like that's a big thing for the Leafs. Yeah, I just I think Nylander's so good that I don't know if I even want him on a second power play unit. Like it, that's interesting too. Yeah, he's so good. Like he's just you know last year they one of the things I say in the piece is that you know he played in a bunch of different spots on the power play and it didn't seem to matter. Like remember when they put him at the net front and it's like well, I don't know if that's going to work and he was he was just fantastic there. Like he, um. Well, anyway, you know what? he's such like a weapon. See, I think, and, and we'll see if this, this is what Sheldon Keefe does. I'd like to see him just be a little bit more, uh, like it, it be more of a meritocracy on the power play. Like you look at the power play mm. and that top unit all played basically like three plus minutes and almost four from Matthews and Thornton. And then that, that other group played under two. I'd like them just to do it. You know, if that, this is what Mike Babcock used to do. And I thought it was smart. He would just see like which unit was going and play them more and so like it was pretty clear it was i mean the matthews unit was good like matthews had a bunch of interesting looks um but i wonder if that's the way that they end up going like if it's clear that Tavares and neilander have it going just go with that unit first yeah it makes sense it make yeah i mean it just it, then it, then it'll feel weird to have matthews sitting on the bench and I think that the power play is going to be something that's going to take some time for them to settle on what they're going to do, I think. I think that's that's yeah. the, the, the real answer. Were you surprised that, that Matthews played as much as he did and Marner too, both like around 25 minutes? Mm, I think when you get into the overtime and, you know, it went went you know, it went, went relatively deep in the overtime, right? Like how much time was left a minute? So like you're playing like a, a pretty long, you're playing a pretty long hockey game there. Yeah, so. but Marner's only, let's see, Marner, 49 seconds in overtime. Matthews was a minute 15. So well, I Matthews mean, had still, that one shift that was seemed to go on forever. I, yeah, I thought that one shift long. he had, I thought that one shift, that one shift he had felt like a minute and a half because he was, he like literally had nothing in the tank. Um, well, I do think um, we should mention, um, I thought, I didn't think Joe Thornton was going to play 17 and a half minutes. I'm not sure that that's going to work. And no, I'm not sure too, it's going to work for two reasons. I think one reason it might not work is because I'm not sure he's going to trust that that Kerfoot line. Maybe he will. Maybe he'll maybe he'll use it more 
than he did in that first game. I'm not sure. Um, and I just, I just don't know if it makes sense to do all that juggling with Hyman going in there sometimes. And like, I don't know. What did you think of the way that they used Thornton and Hyman? I, I did think Thornton played too much. Um, I didn't really see anything on the power play. I mean, I want to give him more than one game to, to show it, but I didn't see anything sure. on the power play that really kind of wowed me that, that he did there. Um, so, but I, what they're trying to do with that Kerfoot line, I, I don't think it's going to be a hard match against the other team's top line. I think what they're trying to do is get them to eat some of the defensive zone draws. But they didn't because do that. Well, they, they didn't have any offensive zone draws. They didn't take a single one. True. So they, they took lots of neutral zone, and there just there weren't a lot of defensive zone faceoffs in that game. Like, True. I think Matthews had five and Kerfoot had four or something. Like, there just, just weren't. So, like, every defensive zone draw that that line can take, even if it's against a second line or a third line, it frees up an offensive zone faceoff for a different line. So I, th- I think that's kind of the math. Because it, it's not... It's not going to be a good enough checking line that I think that you could play against really, really good offensive players. So then but that maybe, brings the question, though, James, is it is it worth it? Because then you look at their bottom two lines, and I'm not sure that they're going to get much of anything. They need a better fourth line than that if they're going to do this. Like they need they need a fourth line that can have some some yeah. threat to it. Like well, Robertson. That that's to me. That's I wonder. Right. Like I think if you they need some more speed and some more. Like I almost think that like. I don't know. Robertson's not the best skater either, so... No, but he can certainly score. I thought Boyd looked solid in camp. I thought Joey Anderson looked solid in camp, you know, in the scrimmage. I mean, just just get some more tenacity, and there's got to be some sort of combination that you could do with some speed there, like... Well, it's tough, James. Like, when you have Spezza and Simmons on the line, the line's just not going to be fast. It's just not... Like, if you were, like, Ingvall, uh, Boyd... And 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 Simmons, then you know it's a, it's a different feel to that line. So, but I, I with the way the cap situation is, like I don't, you're kind of stuck with Thornton and Spezza in in the lineup every night, which is not going to be ideal. No. Well, so we'll see how they end up doing that. One other thing I mentioned, I wanted to mention on the positive side of the ledger was Brody looks like he's just going to be such a big help to Riley. Like it's. It, all I can, I keep having these flashbacks of like Cece and Hainsey and Zaitsev and like all the things that they kind of required Riley to do. Like they just can't break the puck out like he does, like pretty simply. Like I think that pair uh, is going to be good. What do you think? I thought Brody was excellent and even strength and on, he didn't, he shouldn't have been on the power play. I mean, I don't know who else you put on the power play, but I thought that, you know, it, his reputation in Calgary is he's you know pretty hesitant and he he doesn't like to shoot the puck a lot. So no. I don't think the power play makes any sense. Maybe you get Muzz in there, or I mean, if I you don't, don't mind, let, why don't you like him there? I I kind of don't mind him. I think he makes smart plays. He, he's not going to shoot it like Lennon Muzzin or, or Brody. Brody, I'd rather have Brody there. I just know that. Well, we'll see, but I just know in Calgary they're really down on Brody as a power play guy just because it's not really – that's not really his strength. But I – that's kind of a aside because I saw the same things you did. I mean, he, when he gets the puck under pressure in the neutral zone or in the defensive zone, there's no hesitation. He's he makes so a good, cool. Like he he just, makes a good play. Yeah. He's very elusive with the puck. He's very smooth. He's very he's, – he's got some really high-end 
abilities with the puck. And the Leafs did not have enough defensemen that you could say that about last year. Like even Muzzin, like Muzzin's like not Muzzin makes smart plays and he's very patient, but he's not like a stick. He doesn't stick handle like that. He doesn't make passes the way that, that Brody can. And you get that pairing playing with the Matthews line all the time. It's going to be, it's like Bob Hartley said, who had, had TJ Brody for three or four years with Calgary. He's like, you get him with Riley and the other team's going to have to be really careful defensively because they're going to be able to burn you. You know, they're going to, you're going to have five players on the ice that can, that can make something happen. Well, you and I wrote obviously a big feature about TJ Brody. If people haven't read that, check it out um, at the athletic. Uh, But it kind of makes sense. Like one of the things we kind of learned is like, he was just this unbelievable player coming up. Like he was, he was awesome. Um, He did all these, like he was offensively, like he was just a star. And so it kind of makes sense now that he would be like that, so cool under pressure because he's he's always just kind of been that. Like he's he's used to having the puck on it, his tape and and doing things with it. You wonder if like he's almost going to be too cool under pressure at certain points. Like there was a moment when he was almost yeah. just a little too like, oh, I can get away with this, and it might result in some some blunders. That's so some of the Flames fans are down on him because. You know, some some of the Flames fans say he's like Calgary's Jake Gardner, but I don't. I don't. Other than the comparison that they're good skaters, who are I don't think that that's the greatest comparison. But he will make some mistakes because he's so confident in his abilities that he tries to pull things off that most other players wouldn't, and they're not. It doesn't work a hundred percent of the time, but on balance, it works a lot of the time. Okay. So I want to talk. Sorry, I'm just looking up one thing that you talked about. So. You want me to fill some time? You want me no, to actually, something? you don't need to. Fi- no, you, it was almost perfect. No. It lined up, and then I just didn't transition well. So Matthews, Marner, Brody, Riley, Thornton—they were on the ice together for almost eight minutes. Mm. Uh, expected goals in those minutes were seventy percent. So now there's a lot of offensive faceoffs, but can I give you good, some other things to look up? Yeah, what do you want? I'm just kidding. So that's yeah, interesting. No, I mean, I mean, it's it's like two good defensemen with the puck, and you know, Matthews and Marner obviously are like that's going to be a real. If the Leafs expected goals and 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 Corsi and possession and those kind of things, if they're going to take another jump forward from where they were last year, right, that line's going to be a huge part of that. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, James, let's talk about some of the, the lesser parts of the Leafs game in the opener. Um, where would you like to start? Would you like to start with Zach Bogosian in that third pair? Ugh. No, let's do something else first. Okay. You know what we should talk about briefly? Um, you mentioned him in regards to the power play. Uh, Jake Muzzin did not have a great night. That, that pair did not have a great night. I would be like that, like maybe like 1% worried at this point if I was the Leafs, just because he is going to be 32 in a little bit. This is the first year of that four-year contract. Um, Muzzin does mix in some games like that, but 
you know, we 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 saw a few, but you know, Nor he's so reliable most of the time. Like I, I, I last year he was their best defenseman. Like you know, he's such a good player at his best, and that was that was one of the worst games he's played as a Leaf. So, and I don't think Hall played very well, and that 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 puts Muzzin in a tough spot. And I don't know if that Hall's going to last on that pairing all year. Like I, I'd like to see Muzzin and Dermot together. To be honest, I, I would like to see. You know, let's see how Dermot does on the third pair. I, I didn't think he... I thought he looked fine. Um, what was going on with that third pair, I don't think it was Dermot's fault. So, I don't know. Like, the the, the Hall-Muzzin combination was so good last year. But then when Muzzin got hurt so and you good. saw Hall play with anyone else, he, he just... He did not play well at all. So, it just led me to believe that Muzzin was, was kind of driving the bus on that pairing to, to a large extent. And... um. If Muzzin's off uh, a little bit. And the other thing, too, that we haven't talked about, Jonas, is Montreal played really, really well. Like, I was really sure. impressed with Montreal. They were fast. They were physical. Uh, the the new guys they added looked really, really good. I mean, that Romanov is going to be – their D is so much better than it's been the last few years since since they lost Markov. Um, Suzuki's going to be a star. I like Kotkaniemi. Uh, Josh Anderson obviously um, looks <laughs> healthier than he's been, so I think Montreal is going to be a real challenge for the Leafs all year. And it would not surprise me if it comes down to the last two or three weeks of the season for who finishes ahead of one another, and it, that potentially that could be the team that they battle to win the division or that um, they battle in the playoffs. And they're going to be a hard out in in both of those circumstances. So uh, I think that the people that have been underrating Montreal, well, I, I think, I'm one of those I think they're. People. You've been underrating them? No, I, I just think the hype for them has gotten over the top. To me, they kind of remind me, and this is not a perfect comparison, because they're better coached, and I think their talent is a bit better, but they remind me a little bit of the 2013 Leafs in terms of like the top end mm. of what they can be. They're just but, better but coached. The talent Jonas, is, though, like and possession last better. year, weren't they? They were like second or third in the NHL and like yeah, controlling play better, last year. They're better they coached. Act. But like I, I'm telling you, what I'm trying to say, James, is like, in terms of like the top end of what they can be, they're not a Stanley Cup contender. They're just like a mm, team no. that's going to be feisty in the regular season, might win a couple rounds. Like they're kind of like Columbus. Like they're they're they're, yeah. they're fine. Like they're they're interesting. I just I think they're you know. like a they're probably a dark horse. Like I think they're they could be like the tenth or twelfth best team in the NHL. And but the thing is, if the Leafs falter or if they don't play a good game, they yeah. did not play. They did not play a great game last night. If they don't, they they will lose. No, that like you know, just Montreal's like against got, Columbus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that you know the Leafs are more talented, but that doesn't always mean you always win, right? That doesn't always mean you win the division against you know. Over the course of fifty-six games, yes, the Leafs should finish ahead of Montreal, and that's what I'm predicting. But I just think that that's a better team than than a lot of people are giving it credit for. It's not. Oh, I the think same they're getting team. so much credit. I think it's like been <laughs> nauseating. It's just like it, it happens in every sport where. People start talking about, oh, this team's really good. This yeah. team had a great offseason, and that's become the team in the NHL. Mm. Um, but but let's bring it back to Muzzin. Um, that is what a, like a defenseman like him is supposed to do. He's supposed to kind of take a, a partner who's not as good as him and make him better. Like Riley did that last year with CeCe. Like that's what they do. He's just so important to them that if if he's if he's declining now, and let's not like it's one game. Um, but they need him to be really good, like they, because they're going to ask him to play obviously really tough minutes. Um, 
they just he need struggles. To... I mean, you're going to have to break up Riley yes. Brody and, and you know, and do. I think else. I think Brody with Muzzin would be really really interesting. Like yes. I, if that's where they, I don't know who you play with Riley. I, I mean, Riley might be good enough. Riley. The only thing is, is that that Matthews unit's going to get top top competition. So you you need some really good players on there. So you don't you know like Riley Dermott's not probably not going to be good enough to play with the Matthews line. So, um. I think I I don't know. It's too. I'm not going to be worried about Muzzin. I mean, I I think he's going to be fine. You know? I do too. Yeah, there's no reason at this point to not assume that based on what he did last year. I think he's um, just rust rusty. Honestly. Yeah, well, like that's what I I kind of the conclusion I came to. Like guys like him, I feel like need the preseason more. Um, the older guys who who maybe take some time to get going, and another guy up. like that. What? Oh, I was just going to say he's going to fire up the dad bod. Takes a little bit longer for us old guys to get going, Jonas. Although well, Muzzin's probably younger than you. Yeah, a little bit. Um, another guy in kind of that same company is Zach Bogosian, who's 30. He played under 11 minutes. He took two penalties. He got scored on a couple times. Um, uh, he, Jonas. He didn't look great. He was, <laughs> he was fucking terrible. He was fucking terrible. It was a tough night for him. <laughs> he was... As someone who's been saying that I thought he would be fine as a limited minute PK, you know, third pair guy, I was I was wrong. Like he just, he was bad. I would he not play him on Friday. Very clunky. Like he I looked, not, he, he doesn't move the puck great. Like he's got, he's like, I I mean we talked about this in the off season. Like he's just like a slightly better version of Polak. Like better, but but like it's the same mold. It's the same kind of build. You know. The Leafs gotta be like they they can't. I was thinking this just even with like Spezza and Simmons and Bogosian, all of them. Like they 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 and Thornton. They they gotta be careful. Like I hope they haven't promised any of these guys anything. Like I yeah. you know, and if if they can't play, they gotta sit because they got a lot of depth. They got a lot of interesting pieces. You know, sitting on that taxi squad. I thought Sandine looked fantastic in the scrim camp scrimmage and in, yes. in training camp. Like I think Sandine can play in the NHL right now. So if Bogosian can't, or if Bogosian's just gonna have, if Bogosian's gonna play like he did last night, like like just play the kid, you know, like. But so James, that gets at an interesting kind of um, conundrum for them. A, like that's gonna be his worst game. Like I don't think he's gonna play like that. Like that's probably the, the lowest of what he'll play. Um, but this gets at a little, a tough thing for them is, is one thing it became clear that they needed last year was they need kind of like a little heavy, like they need someone who's going to stop people from going to the net and, and kind of add like some, some bite like that. That was one thing Sheldon Keith talked about defensively. Like they want, they want to cut down on how easily or how easy it is for, for forwards to attack the net. And like Bogosian in theory helps that. So if you take him out. Suddenly, like you're looking at a third pair of, let's say, like Dermot and Sandine, great puck movers, but like not the same element. Like, and so suddenly, like you look at that third pair and it, it kind of looks like it did last year where it's kind of like it's a little too slick. And like when you have Riley and Brody on a pair and so suddenly your defense looks a lot like it did last year yeah. and you're getting back to the same problem. So it's a really tough balance that they're going to have to strike where they just need Bogosian to be a lot better 
Well, um, yeah, I mean, we talked know? about, remember before they acquired Bogosian and we were talking about, you know, yes. they need a heavy element on D. And my counterpoint was there's no one who's good who brings that element. Like there's, I'm, I said to you on one of those podcasts, like, what are they going to do? Get Bogosian? Yes. And like, he yes. he has to play better or like, then you just go with like, without that, you know, and then you just. Well, because we wasn't... asked the question, James, like we were talking about, should they add one defenseman or two? And we said if they add two, suddenly a guy like Bogosian or whoever, uh, like Gudis or someone like that, is going to be playing ahead of Sandine or going to be playing ahead of Dermot or going to be playing ahead of Letnin. And are the Leafs a better team that way? And we didn't actually know. Like we we kind of wondered, like maybe you're not, maybe you're better in one way, but you're worse in another. And so are maybe you, you tailor your ahead? roster to your opponent somewhat. Like I, going into these Ottawa games, like. In, Ottawa's I and they impressed me last year like they play hard they're well coached they they leave a lot on the ice but like they're not they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league again so I think Friday or Saturday you got to yeah. get the the tough complication here is the their cap situation is you and I were talking about this on 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 Slack yesterday their their cap situation means they don't have a lot of flexibility to use the taxi squad right now and that that's a problem to me um well, the, the Darren Dell thing is going to have to end at some point. Yeah, it's like a game of chicken with this waivers thing. And, like, I don't think that the teams that need a backup have, have settled on the guys. You know, I, I could still see New Jersey or Washington or one of these other teams claiming Aaron Dell. So, this, you know, he, he Aaron Dell eats up 8,000 of your cap space every day that he's on the roster. So, how many days are you willing to, to keep him there? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, and the 100%. thing too is, okay. So, w- if if there were not cap implications, how many changes would you make to the Leafs roster for for game two uh, tomorrow? Well, I would plug Robertson in for Barabanov, and I would put Sandine in for either Dermot or Bogosian. What about you? You cannot do that because of right. you know, unless unless you wave Dell. Well, or unless you could you, flip unless Barabanov wave, and Robertson, right? That's yes, it. you can do that. But the the problem is making a change on defense. They, they actually can't do it right now. They could they could make they could flip Barabana for Letnin or Sandine and go seven D. Yeah, um, which would be okay because I mean the fourth line played five minutes last night, so like uh, they probably could do that. Um, second game of a back to back on Saturday though, you're not going to want to go you know eleven forwards probably and, and play Matthews twenty five minutes. Um, the Leafs are going to need some games, Jonas, where they're up three or four nothing, and they don't have to go so hard on their their big horses. Yes. They're going to have to get. They need a fourth line that can play a little bit. So um, it's a bit unfortunate that the cap situation is going to make them so tight that they can't get a look at some of these other players. Well, it's tough. Like they're they're almost still shell shocked from two years. Was it two years ago or three years ago? Two. Uh, two, two. When they lose Calvin Pickard and Curtis McElhinney on waivers, like now they're clearly so worried that they're going to lose Dell. And I get it. Like given what's happened the last couple of years, they've had to use their third goalie. Like they don't want it to be Hutchinson again. Um, but at a certain point, like it can't cost you games. Like it's a 56 game season. Like there's no, there's no time. And I mean, can you name Washington's backup? Is, is Craig Anderson Washington's backup? Or well, is it, it's, it was in guy? my story. You must not have read my story. His, the backup right now is, uh, it's actually hard to pronounce. His name is Vitek 
Vasanek, I think is his name. He's a Czech guy who's never played in the NHL. And their starter is that Ilya Samsonov, who's only played 26 games in the NHL. So they would go in with one of the least experienced NHL goalie tandems in like NHL history if if that's what happens this year. But that guy's supposed to be a stud, right? They've signed Craig Anderson to the taxi squad too, so they've got a very experienced third goalie. Hmm. Yeah, Samsonov's supposed to be good. Like he was a, I believe he was a high pick and, you know, he's supposed to be the goalie of the future there. But I guess to get back to like the third pair, I think that's like for now and maybe for the first few weeks, it's just going to be a rotation. Like, I don't know how they'll do it given the cap problems. Like, but maybe here soon you, you try to slip Dell through waivers. Would you do, would you do it like today or tomorrow or would you keep waiting? (sighs) I think I'd just do it. Like, I just don't know why it's going to change and. The other thing, too, is if you need a different third goalie, maybe you can just trade for somebody or something. Like, maybe, like, yeah, if you if you don't believe in Hutchinson, maybe you can get someone else in that spot. But it's just going to be another Hutchinson. Like, that's who they – that yeah. was the third goalie they, they traded for before. Yeah. It's tough. Like, and, and you and I have discussed this um, a bunch, like, on Slack. If they suffer, like, if somebody gets hurt, and it's not serious, but, like, they can't play. Let's say someone gets hurt on Friday and they can't play on Saturday. Like you might have to just dress one guy short, and that apparently, yeah. like CJ Chris Johnson was explaining to me, like you can, it, you only have to do that for one game, and then you can bring someone then, else in. Then you get like an emergency recall that makes under I think eight hundred grand. I think is the number. Yeah. So like it, it, you you're helped a little bit, but it's not ideal. So like they're kind of playing with not fire, but they're playing with sparks. Sparks, pun intended. Where is Sparks? Is is he on the taxi squad in Calgary? I saw he was in camp there. I don't know if he got a deal or not. I haven't, Good I haven't, question. I haven't been keeping up on the. You're not on Sparks watch. I think he's on their taxi squad. I, I'm going to have to read some more of Haley Salvian's coverage out of Calgary. Uh, I can't imagine they'd be spending. She'd be spending a ton of time on the no, taxi no. squad goalie. But she would know who. I don't see him there. No, Louis Domingue is their practice mm. squad goalie. Mm-hmm. And James, it's not called the pra- the taxi squad anymore. It's called the what is it called? The ready, <laughs> stay ready, isn't it? Stay ready squad. That's right? that's so lame. There's got to be there's got to be a better name we can come up with than that. Yeah, the backup boys. That's good. No, it's kind of back back street boys. Yeah. Um. All right. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Is there anything else uh, we haven't covered? We uh, maybe we should talk about Frederick Anderson for a bit, um, or a minute or two. He was not great, and then he played pretty good in overtime. So yeah, he, he actually only made two saves in overtime. I thought it was more. Um, 
I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt just because, like, if anybody needs preseason, it's goalies. Uh, but he looked kind of like he did last year. So they need gotta him. Get that, like, yeah. Got to get that big body warmed up, man. Like, it, he just, I don't know, he didn't look like himself. He he looked like when he's struggling. He just didn't yes. look confident. He looked like he was kind of moving around too much. And, you know, his holes looked big. And... um well, you know what, James? It can get interesting for him real quick. So he'll play, obviously, one of the games against Ottawa. If he doesn't play well, and let's say Jack Campbell plays well in his start, you know who's probably starting Monday? Jack Campbell. Like, I think I it can think turn that, that quick. Yeah, I don't think they're going to... I could see them splitting the games 50-50 this year, to be honest. Like, if, if Anderson struggles early and Campbell's good, then... I, I think Campbell might surprise people. You know, I've been talking to more people around the organization about him and and outside the organization. And there's there's a lot of there's a lot of people around the NHL cheering for that guy. I mean, he's just he's one of those people that that you know all his former teammates are watching this and they like the idea that he's in Toronto and he's got this chance and he's waited so long for an opportunity like this. And a lot of people believe in him, so it's it, he's got to prove it. Like I'm yeah. To, well, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. No, I know. But I, all I'm saying is, in just in talking to people about him the last couple of weeks, I'm starting to believe a little bit more. So I, I just think there's a chance that he's better than than we think. Okay. All right. I'll hold you to that. Um, I should mention James, Ian Mendez coming back with another edition of the Athletic Hockey Show on Thursday with That's your today, very buddy. good pal. That's today. Your good pal Down Goes Brown is on. You know, you know what I call Sean McIndoe every time I see him? No. Have you ever been around us when Sean McIndoe is one of my favorite people in the whole business. I love that guy. And yeah. uh, every time I see him, it can be like a crowded bar or whatever. I just yell out at the top of my lungs, DGB, as loud as, <laughs> loud as I can. And it, for people that don't know Sean, he's a very, very quiet, shy person. Like in, in, yeah, he's in, like he's you. Here, he's very... I think he's more, he's more understated than I am. Like, you know me, like I, especially if we're at the bar or whatever, I can get like pretty silly and people that have listened to this podcast a lot, sometimes I get really goofy and, uh, I don't know when I, when I hang out with him, when, when we were in Tampa for the Stanley cup final in 2015, <clears throat> he wanted to go, there was like a big Pokemon convention there right beside the, wow. the arena. And, uh, for his kids, he, I think for his kids, he said it was for his kids, but I don't know. He wanted to go to it. And so we go in there and we're like these two, like, you know, 30 something year old guys wearing suits and everyone there is dressed like, you know, like an anime character. Or, I didn't know what the hell any of it was. Like Pikachu? And, and I was like taking pictures of Sean, like looking at this stuff. And <laughs> it was just, I don't know. It was, uh, that was a very interesting hour or two of our life. And I think we were both quite hungover because um, we were in Tampa during the Stanley Cup final and it was a lot of fun there that year. He is a one-of-a-kind writer, too. Um, He's a brilliant writer. Yes. And so if you haven't checked out his stuff and, and you haven't subscribed to The Athletic, go to theathletic.com slash leap report. Well, the other thing, too, Jonas. For, let me finish, James. Jeez. Oh, I'm just for just three ninety nine a month. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, the other thing, too, is that uh, McIndoe and uh, Ian Mendez are, like, really, really close. Like they, oh, I didn't they, know that. When Yeah. The, if you, you didn't read, Ian Mendez wrote a column about this new show and how good it was going to be. And the whole lead is about how his first day of journalism school in Ottawa, the guy sitting next to him, they had to write a story about each other. <clears throat> Sorry, my voice is cutting out. There's that cough I was talking about. Um, 
he had to write a story about this 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 skinny kid from Thornhill that was sitting next to him in his journalism class, and it was Sean McIndoe. And they became like, I don't know, best friends is probably overselling it, but very, very close. And now they're both working for us, and now they're doing the show together for us, and they're so excited about it. And that first episode comes out today, so I'm really looking forward to listening to that when it comes out. And I think the chemistry that between those two is going to be very evident when people listen to that show. It's going to be like Matthews and Marner. <laughs> Put on podcast it's gonna be like form. Myrtle and Seagull. Yeah. All right. What, well, what? I was gonna say, what NHL duo are we like? We, we would be like the old married couple of the NHL. I don't know what, hmm. who would, who we would be. That's a good question. Who's like kind of like a more methodical kind of duo? We'd be like Mario and Yager or something like that. That's like, come on, that's a little extreme. We're not that good. <laughs> well, I don't know, Gretzky and Curry. Okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, check out the comment section for each episode at the Athletic or on the Athletic app, and rate us, rate and subscribe uh, on the Leaf Report page on Apple. So James, we'll be back. I think I think we'll do next like Tuesday after. Yeah. So the Leafs play Edmonton, or they play. Yeah, they play Winnipeg on Monday and Edmonton on Wednesday. I'm pumped, man. I love this Canadian division so much. I was watching Edmonton and Vancouver last night, and it's just Vancouver played a great game. And there is going to be, if there were fans in the buildings through this and they played nine or ten times, like, can you imagine what the atmosphere would be like? There would be like fist fights in the crowd and stuff. It would just be, and I keep saying this, and I've said this on this show already, but I'll say it again for the people that missed it. I think that this is the way the NHL should be permanently. I think it should be a Canada division. I would, I would love it. Fans would love it. TV ratings would love it. Let's just, let's do it. Yeah, it's not bad. It's interesting. Like it will make, I mean, nine times, ten times to play the same team is, is a bit much, but you know, it's better than three seven or, or eight or, or five. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, James, for chatting. Everybody stay safe um, out there and thank you for listening. James, do you want to close us out? If you get a cough, don't go to work. Okay? Be like me. Miss that amazing opening game. Watch it from your couch, eating pretzels. See Do you it. next week. Okay. Bye.